This retreat is gathered around the theme or the Dhamma teaching of bhava, of becoming. And this is a teaching that is central in the Buddha's dispensation. It has everything to do with how we suffer day to day, and it also has everything to do with genuine awakening. We can see that it is a, you might say, full-spectrum teaching, touching the times when our mind is very coarse, when our mind is agitated, hurting, and confused. Baba is also a teaching that has profound relevance when our minds are extremely refined, all the way unto the vanishing of Baba, the vanishing, the cessation of becoming, which is itself one of the ways of naming full awakening, cessation of becoming. Because of this, in our practice, it's always useful as a reference point to touch what is my experience now and how can my experience be turned towards the wholesome, towards the beneficial. That aspect of bhava that is known by the mind that's very coarse can be found that when there is anger or when there's great sensual lust or even sensual uh, delight, when there is fear, when there is shame, when there's plain old agitation and stress, we can ask this question, do I feel like me? And if we're honest about it, not trying to be some Buddhist projection of who we think we ought to be, well, yeah, I feel shame. I'm angry. I'm stressed. In that moment, an examination of what is this experience of me being stressed, of me feeling angry, of my shame, and so on. And we're drawn directly into uh, one of the most subtle teachings on the nature of this mind, the nature of suffering, the nature of this life. In Paticca Samapada, or dependent origination, we have this beautiful, if you will, map or way of naming 
the process of the forming of the self. And the part of it that we can see, to some extent, depends on how carefully we look or how well-trained the mind is, we can see this part that talks about dependent upon clinging, holding, grasping, upadana, arises becoming. Very simple. What this is saying is that out of this flow of experience that, for example, we can attend to just in receiving a talk and receiving this words, this flow of experience, in the moment of gripping, holding, freezing, the process of becoming is initiated. The self is, is beginning to take a really uh, strong form. Let me make it a little more obvious than this talk. Let's say you're with someone you have a rocky relationship, they say something that's upsetting, that draws from your history. Maybe it's a, a brother, a sister, a cousin, a parent, someone with deep roots in your body-mind, in your history. And they say, you always do that. I hate when you do that. And this word always goes through, and you get, the, you get the whole history coming up, and you know they're the ones that always do it. They're the ones that are at fault here. And in that moment, around that whole cluster of always, that whole cluster of you do that, and you do that, and you know all the stuff that we can recognize in interpersonal stress, the mind is gripping tighter and tighter around everything it builds, around its emotions, around the images, around the whole body sense of stress, gripping tighter and tighter. And that gripping is, is the, um, the seed of the self moment by moment. You see, this is not saying this happens and it's done. This is a constant flow with every instant of experience, every instant of thought. So it's constantly gripping, and it's gripping onto itself, gripping, and it's gripping onto itself, gripping onto itself, gripping. And we tumble forward, carrying this, the self-gathering, and it begins to feel like me birthing into this body, birthing into this moment. I am, and I am really angry. And not only I am, you are, you are wrong. And by the way, I am right. Oh, and by the way, I was right last time this happened too. And by the way, I've always been right, and you're bad, and I'm good, and you get the whole story, right? But it comes from the seed. So even when the mind is coarse, 
Oh, I have no idea what you're talking about. You're so stupid. Why don't you get it together? And that judgment and that sense of, you know, is me also. Or that shame, the gripping around the shame, right? Up comes the thought of, uh, I've been exposed, I'm unsafe, I'm inadequate, they're going to find out that I don't know what I'm doing. Or, uh, you know, I, I am a blemished person. And someone comes up and asks me a question that reminds me of my blemishes because I think they're seeing how rotten I really am inside. And now that gripping, that tension, the upadana, the clinging around that thought, around these feelings is a river that is flowing. And with this is the blossoming of that me that is so shamed and so on. If we don't look, we won't see this. And one of the problems with anger, shame, and other strong emotions is by virtue of their power, we forget to look. That forgetting is non-mindfulness. The remembering is the sati. Sati actually means, you know, has an etymological uh, basis in remembering, remembering the awareness. Ah, what's happening now, really? But when we're that destabilized with all those thoughts and emotions, it's difficult. We can just catch the kind of the tip of the iceberg, but it's a very painful tip of the iceberg of self. When the mind is extremely subtle, we can see, if we look, we can see that just with the touching of a thought, rather than the thought popping itself up and moving through, which is entirely possible. I imagine you've experienced this. You don't cling on to every thought, right? So even just the emergence of a thought, and one can notice the, the holding, the, the stimulation, oh, maybe, oh, that's a good one. I'm smart. Or maybe that's, that's a song I really like. I'm going to play that one for a while. And we play the song. People wonder why in retreat they end up playing songs. You're making a self. It's a very comfortable place, very happy place to be a self, you know. <laughs> right? But that's what's going on. Up came the initial tune, you know. Or maybe it might be some brilliant insight that you're thinking about. You know, not real insight, but that kind of insight, the thought. And it's like, oh, that's a good one. And, psh, right? So the, that's a good one. I like that tune. I like that thought. What is that? There's pleasure, yeah? So this is the Vedana that is generating 
tanha. So this is back to dependent origination. In that moment of, of sensation and the pleasant, and there's this pleasant moment that arouses this urging for the pleasure. And then there's the upadana, there's the gripping, the holding on to that pleasure. And we become around that pleasure, holding on. And obviously, just as subtle might be a subtle aversion. Some thought emerges of uh, disgust or even self-hatred and we watch as the mind grips that, very subtle. But even when there's not so much obvious personality content, this process is going on. It's a kind of a fuel for the fire of self that tumbles forward selflessly, moment by moment, through this life. And now let me bracket this statement through this life. Because bhava, as the Buddha teaches it, is vaster than this because it's through many lives. So whether we talk about there's a a physical birth, all these processes of becoming happen, then there's a physical death and nothing happens after that. Okay, and then we can understand within this life, this process I'm beginning to describe. Let's just say, take off this piece, at the, this little fence at one end, take off the little fence at the other end, and it's just a process. Now, I can't speak to that authoritatively, so I won't try but I, I also don't want to limit your sense of the teachings because of my own feebleness, my own limitations. Okay? So powerful is this bhava that it's named in several uh, key uh, areas of the Dhamma, of the Buddhist teachings. One of those areas is as tanha or craving or thirst that is the uh, basis for the origin of dukkha, of suffering. So wherever you find suffering, you find tanha you find hunger, thirst, wanting. A wanting that goes from one moment to the next and that creates this stress of upadana, this grasping, this birthing fully into the embodied self of me and the suffering takes on this real fleshiness that we experience as I am suffering. Sorrow, lamentation, pain, grief, despair, not getting what one wants, this is suffering. 
It all comes from this urging that constantly drives us forward with each contact, urging towards and away. It's not just urging towards. So cessation of hunger, cessation of craving, is the cessation of suffering. And tanha is defined by the Buddha as having these three particular forms. The tanha, or thirst for sensual pleasures. The tanha, the thirst for becoming and for non-becoming. So I don't want to go into that in depth, but just to say, if we can get a sense of the driving nature, I think of it as the um, energy source of, of the life of identification and sorrow. It's like it's, it's, uh, it's where we stay plugged in and get enough energy to push us from one pleasure and one pain to the next pleasure and the next pain. And my God, why do we keep doing it? It's draining. It's tiring. Not to mention so passe. You know, it's, it's, it's like been there, done that. But we keep doing it. What is that about? Why are we doing that? It's because it's got this energy push. We don't know otherwise, and the push has so much stress in it, and it just keeps going. Right? That's that tanha, and the pleasure we can see pretty well, gobble, 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 and the becoming. You know, what am I? Who am I? Who am I with you? Who are you to me? Am I better? Am I worse? All these things that you know from your experience, what am I going to be next? What's going to be, what's going to happen to me next year? And all the ways that we become, we sort of um, recruit everything in the world to our becoming. We have children and we become the father and the mother. And the child is an extension of us. Someone attacks the child, we are attacked. Someone loves the child, we are loved. The child does well, we are doing well. The child does poorly, we're doing poorly. What kind of parent am I? Right? Am I telling the truth here? This is just how it is. We've recruited the child for like, hey, it's all still about me, even though it's all about them, really. But it's about me, really. You know? But also, the becoming, uh, we recruit, hey, our car. Huh? Our hair. Uh, our robes. Our sweaters. Not only our beauty, our non-beauty, right? I am unattractive. I am insufficient. I am. Right? So we recruit this physical body. 
We recruit our bank account, our garden. Seems so innocent, this garden. Do you want to see my garden? Right? Like, I've got a great specimen over here. I got a great specimen, you know. (laughs) I have a rose named after me, (laughs) whatever. So there's no end to what we recruit because tanha, right? And it's all about suffering. It's all about suffering. I mean, we're not trying to do it about suffering, but it creates suffering. And the cessation of tanha is deep. The cessation of tanha is the cessation of suffering. The cessation of becoming is the cessation of suffering. How simple. How profoundly simple, huh? But the force is with us, you know. Force keeps going. (laughs) So I have to watch out for becoming because I'm amused as well. (laughs) So it's in this teaching about tanha, like the second noble truth, right? But it's also in the teaching on the asavas, the so-called, uh, I hate this word, but just so you know it from the, from the translations, you've probably read the taints or the floods or the influxes, the intoxicants. Basically, it's this, what I call tripod of suffering that keeps suffering stable and in place of ignorance, become sensual, sensuality, sensual pleasure, and becoming. And the reason it's there is because it works with the sensuality, the becoming works with the sensuality and with the ignorance. And between the three of them, they're like, uh, um, they've, they've got a strategy that they work together with that keeps each other completely protected and, and going on. Right? So the sensuality keeps us so in wanting and you know, the, the, the pain also keeps us in aversion that the mind is agitated trying to get, get, get. That agitation is in fact, as we said, the seeds of me, of self. So the becoming is now really strong and now as the becoming gets strong, that becoming, that I, wants the sensual pleasure. So we got the sensuality and the becoming totally working really well together. But now this whole process is unrecognized, unknown, moment by moment. We don't see it. That not seeing is the avijja, is the ignorance. Right? So this stuff keeps us totally entranced, very busy, we're very busy, you know, with our becoming. It's quite a project. It's a lot to do. It's always a lot to do. <laughs> and so there's a lot to do. And uh, so we can't stop and pay attention and know that it's happening. 
We don't know what's happening. Don't know. Ah-vija. Not knowing. Ignorance. Ah-vija. Right? Now the ignorance just helps the sensuality keep tumbling forward. Give me the next, give me the next, because we're ignorant of how painful it is. We think it's pleasurable. This is what the Buddha sort of bluntly called taking the pleasurable as the painful and the painful as the pleasurable. That's what we're doing. Right? That's the ignorance. And we don't see that we're devoting most of our resources to becoming. Becoming and getting. So it all works together. So this aspect of bhava, of becoming, is part of this you know, triumvirate <coughs> that assures the continuation of dukkha. See that? Very, it's really straightforward. However, it's powerful and it can be subtle as well as gross. Some of what I've said is really gross, but the more quiet your mind becomes, the more subtle the apprehension of this process becomes. So as you're in meditation, whether in intrapersonal, traditional silent meditation or interpersonal meditation of insight dialogue, as the mind becomes more subtle, you begin to see this stuff. And as you begin to see the, the grippings, the upadana and the becoming, and if you meet it in such a way that you're not feeding it, and it can begin to calm down, the gripping and the selfing can begin to calm down, then you actually begin to see subtler layers of it. And it could be that in a moment, one has some perhaps even quite profound experience of nirodha, of cessation. This is quite deep. But even our approaching nirodha, our approaching of cessation, is, has an effect. It gives us a benchmark. In other words, rather than the constant stress and work of becoming that we think is where our pleasure is to be found, we recognize, oh, wow, that really is painful. And we touch something peaceful. This is peaceful. This is beautiful. It's immediately felt. It's immediately experienced. And the mind says, ah, ah, and turns towards it. Turns towards it. And that turning towards is coming out of direct experience, out of right view, understanding. We get it, not with the thinking mind. We get it because we felt it. Right? So that's right view. 
wise understanding. And the turning towards, because of this experience, this understanding, the turning towards the cessation and turning, if you will, away from not being entranced by the sensuality and the becoming and the non-becoming and so on. That is right intention. That's the turning of the mind that is the orientation of wise intention. And then our actions flow from this. That's the eightfold path that we're talking about. Right view, right intention, all the action that now flows from that beautiful understanding, which then deepens the right effort, right mindfulness, and right concentration. So this bhava is profound, beautiful, it's an effective teaching, it's a useful teaching. It can enter your life and it can enter your practice here. You can understand it at a simple level, a gross level, and this is useful. You can understand it at a refined level. This is useful. In this way, perhaps, your curiosity is aroused and perhaps you also have now uh, just a little bit of a map for understanding experiences that you've already had. So, So we'd like to uh, now hear from you. Um, I spoke about bhava in a way that I hope could be of benefit, but it's not necessary to frame anything you share now in terms of becoming. This is just, what have you noticed in your practice? What have you experienced? If there's been insight or difficulty, pleasure or pain, could be regarding actually how you engage the practice. It could be regarding the process of something in your heart being known or being shed as you see fit. Thank you for listening. 
To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.